Welcome to the New Day Church Message of the Week. It is our hope and prayer that you encounter the one who created you through hearing this message today. To contact us or find out more information about our events and who we are, go to newday-church.org. Thank you for listening. I feel like God's like laying out a smorgasbord before us. He's so good. Let me take a moment, Lord. We thank you for being so good to us. We thank you for the goodness of God. Well, we don't pretend, I don't pretend to understand everyone's story in this room, but I know that you do. You are that father that loves them dearly. They are precious to you. We thank you, Lord, that our story isn't finished, that you're still doing a work. As if you're saying today, the book of Acts isn't done because you're still You're still partnering with your people in acts. I thank you, Lord. So come and meet with us. We're here to meet with you. We thank you for the testimonies. What a powerful thing. We want to meet with you, uh, not just in the testimony, but in your words. So may your word come alive. We thank you, Lord. We cherish your word. We cherish the word that uh, you made available to us. uh, Come and meet with us in this, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going through a series called Kingdom Builders, and really, I think this summer is meant to be a summer where we look at the story of Saul to Paul, uh, the the transformation that happened happened in his life. So last week we were in Acts, and we were diving into Antioch. What happened in Antioch? Uh, the the very first church that was mostly Greek, that it wasn't uh, primarily Jewish. And it's a powerful story. What had happened in Antioch, if you remember, uh, there were Jewish believers in Jesus that went to Antioch, and they, they, it was so good, they didn't just share Jesus with the Jews that were there, they started sharing him with the Greeks. And for some reason, the Greeks were more excited about Jesus than the Jews were. So uh, this church that began was primarily Greek. That was, was the first ever experience where the Greek culture was becoming the dominant uh, people in attendance and participation in that church. It was just a huge shift. And because if you, if you know anything, like the Greek culture is different from the Jewish culture uh, in so many different ways. And here, they're seeing something new. Uh, Barnabas was sent, and he went, and he, there was such ministry that was happening. For some reason, Barnabas had said, you know what, this is so good, I need to go get Saul. Saul has been on the bench. He, he really hasn't been doing anything for at least four years. Some say in church history, 14 years. For whatever reason, Barnabas is there. He's seeing something happen in Antioch. And he's like, wait a minute, I need, I need, I need Saul. So he goes and he finds Saul in Tarsus. And he says, you got to come with me. So then Barnabas and Saul minister in Antioch for more than a year. They pour into discipleship meetings. They're discipling people. Uh, a question for you, what's the goal of discipleship? Have you ever thought about what's the goal of discipleship? It is so that you could grow in doctrine or a greater understanding of theology. To me, the goal of discipleship, especially when you're being a disciple of Jesus Christ, 
is that you would be like Jesus. That's the goal. That's the outright goal. Now, it's, it's, it's awesome to grow in knowledge and revelation, right? How many of you love that? Like, that's awesome. But the ultimate goal is to be able to be like Jesus. So when life happens and things come, uh, uh, they just pop up, right? Unexpected things pop up. Are you responding like Jesus? And we know life happens a lot, doesn't it? And, and there's times where it's not all that fair. So I've been kind of thinking about what God did through Barnabas and Saul in Antioch for a year, and he was causing discipleship to flourish, that they were becoming like Jesus, that this culture that was so far from God, this Greek culture, if you know anything about the Greek culture, they had many gods. Uh, they were, um, they, they, their traditions were totally different from the Jewish traditions. So it was like a totally different soil that uh, God was, was ministering to. But yet here he does it in such a way, this discipleship, they become more and more like Jesus. At the end of that year, they end up, this Greek church raises up this incredible gift of finance to be able to go and bless the Jewish church in Jerusalem. Just a wild thought, isn't it? Uh, they, they, if you understand the separation, you would think that it would be like the Hatfields and the McCoys or Green Bay Packer fans and Viking fans or whatever, like people from Montgomery and other people from New Prague, right? Like you'd think of this, but yet God ended up doing something where he changed their heart. They became more like Jesus and the, the Greeks, like we need to bless our Jewish brothers and sisters. It's just a, a transformation that happened. And I've been thinking about that very thing. If you turn with me, our text today is in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. And it's a story of, um, it's a story of, of something that, well, so Jesus was asked by the religious leaders, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, right? And he said, that, and the second is like it, to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And then one person had said, one of the religious leaders, they were trying to grill Jesus, trying to get him to say something that was wrong. Then he's like, well, so Jesus, who is my neighbor? That's a great question, isn't it? I guess that's a question I have for you today. I really believe the Lord's actually asking you that today. Who is your neighbor? To love your neighbor as you love yourself. Who is your neighbor? It's fun when you get to pick your neighbors, right? <laughs> so we think. I didn't get to pick the neighbors that we had. We were the last one on the cul-de-sac. And uh, they wouldn't be the neighbors that I would have picked. But I think that was God's, that was God's plan. Who is your neighbor? Who is your neighbor? See, the Greeks, they were able to realize that their neighbor were the Jews. They were able to see that that other culture that was actually making fun of them or minimizing them or in opposition to them, that that actually was their neighbor. And they rose up with such generosity that they, even, they loved them even in their finances. So uh, here, the, if you, Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up and he tried to test Jesus. That's so funny. What a fun thought. Uh, you know what's funny about that is a lot of us try to test Jesus too, don't we? Hmm. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
Jesus replied, what is written in the law and how do you read it? The man had said, I love, your, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus had said, you answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. Uh, man, how many of the, this is like a, kind of our personal prayer life. Oh, Lord, I, I think you're wrong. Let me try to justify it. Uh, he wanted to justify himself. He said, who is my neighbor? So then Jesus, and many of us know this story, right? Jesus had said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho where he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite. When he came to that place and he saw him, passed on uh, by the other side. But a Samaritan, a Samaritan? Yes, a Samaritan. Like, we don't understand. Like what he said, a Samaritan, everyone's like, oh, a Samaritan, oh my gosh, that's horrible, a Samaritan? But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put a man on his own donkey he brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, two, basically, uh, what he could raise up in one day with his wage. He basically paid him two days' wages. Paid him two denarii, two days' wages, and he gave it to the innkeeper. He said, look after him. I, when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to, uh, who fell into the hands of the robber? Well, the expert of the law had said, the one who had mercy on him. It's interesting. So this is a, uh, an expert in the law. The reason why Jesus went to this place was he was talking to people that were kind of the religious elite. And he was actually stepping on their toes. Uh, so if you know what, what's uh, in Scripture, in the Levitical law, uh, this is in, oh, I believe it, I've got it. Uh, da, 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 da. Leviticus chapter 21, uh, 1 through 3. A priest must not make himself ceremonially unclean uh, by touching people who die, except for a close relative such as his mother or father, his son, his daughter, his brother, or an unmarried sister who is dependent on him since she has no husband or uh, for she may make, him, uh, make himself unclean or he may make himself unclean. He must not make himself unclean for people related to him by marriage and so defile himself. They would be, a priest would be defiled if they were to touch a dead person. But did you catch what Jesus had said? The person wasn't totally dead. He was half dead. So what was going on inside, he was speaking into this so they could walk by and they would see that he was somewhat close to death, but he wasn't dead. So there, the wrestling of that priest, a priest uh, being that, uh, that religious leader, and then even the second person, a Levite, being of the line or the lineage of religious leaders, uh, they both were at this wrestling because they see this person that needs help. 
But in their mind, they're like, if I touch him and he dies, I am ceremonially unclean and I can't do anything until I go through a process of being cleansed of touching this dead person. But he's not dead. That's the wrestling. Jesus is stepping on their, on their toes. He's, he's, he's actually, he's meeting them right where they're at, the condition of their heart for other people. And isn't he doing that in your life and in my life too? So what, he, then he talks about the Samaritan. So this religious leader, this person that, uh, uh, the second person, person that's of that lineage of a religious leader, they, they should have been the ones that would have cared for this person. But that's not the one. It was the one that was actually a hated people group. A hated people group. That was the one that actually scooped up the man, put him on his donkey, took him into town, paid two days wages, uh, made, and asked this person to care for, them, for this individual. Uh, this hated people group actually cared for him. And then Jesus had said, who was the neighbor? You remember going back all the way, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. All of scripture, all of the Old Testament hinges on those two very things. Who is the neighbor to that person? Was it the religious leader? No. Was it the Levite? No. It was the Samaritan that was the neighbor. Doesn't that kind of mess with you? Hey, isn't that, uh, the, the expert in the law, he'd said, the one who had mercy on him, Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Yeah. As I was thinking about that this week, I was wrestling with a few things. Uh, first off, there's a lot of things that are going on right now where it just doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like uh, the things that, well, I don't know how to say this without sounding really odd. It feels like there's a lot of legislation that's being done in Minnesota that comes against Christian principles, uh, Christian standards. Uh, to the best that I understand it, it seems like there's some that are just outright where they actually came against Christian colleges. And I'm not saying this to be a victim. I'm not a victim. Uh, none, of, none of us that are in Jesus are victims. We're actually the victors. I, uh, I'm not picking up a victim mindset or I'm not a crybaby. I'm not, I'm not wham, wham, you took my toy away. I'm like, Lord, there's something going on in Minnesota and we need help. We need help because it seems like darkness is, is winning and darkness will never win. Uh, there's, there's agendas that are being pushed even in public school systems where a place that should be teaching arithmetic and reading and writing is now trying to teach uh, what a gender is and uh, that you should be this gender or that gender. And, all, and, and I'm sitting there like, Lord, why can't kids just be kids? When I was a kid, I don't know if this makes any sense to you. When I was a kid, my biggest wrestling was, do I have to shower today? <laughs> like I just, I, I hated, uh, I hated baths. Like I just, I think that wasn't, I wasn't wrestling with what gender am I? Or I wasn't wrestling with uh, even a sexual orientation. And, and I, I say this in the sense that I feel like I'm not, I'm not blaming public school system. Because ultimately, the enemy of the Christian faith isn't, isn't a person, it's not an institution, it's Satan, and it's his goons. We don't wage war against humans. That's never been the, that's never the goal. And whenever we pick up the Bible like a billy club and we try to use it against someone, that's not right. The Bible is actually more of like a love letter. It's meant to soften our hearts. It's meant to pour out his spirit upon us. I guess what grieves me more is I see our culture. Uh, it's aching. 
There's a, lot of, there's a lot of suicide. There's a lot of brokenness. And so in my, in my, in my time, you know, you can go to different scriptures. I, I'm not ashamed of the word of God. And nor should uh, a follower of Jesus Christ. It's, it's very obvious. If you look at scriptures, they, uh, there's scriptures that talk about uh, what, uh, what God has for our sexuality. There's scriptures that talk about how we're made in the image of God. There's the scriptures that even, he, he, like it's, it's close to his heart that, that we wouldn't even do, uh, do different cross-dressing things where we're trying to be someone else. Uh, you know, how about this? Uh, you know, if we're, if we're really being honest, uh, to make it, I don't want to just go at the taboo things. Jesus is calling all of us to be generous. Hey, there's a call on, on the Christian to be generous. Amen. Are we being generous? Uh, there, I, this is actually a pretty, a pretty uh, it's a, it could be one of the greatest times of the church. Jesus, he had talked about this one person that had had so much wealth that what they did was they built up this big, this big cistern. They filled things up uh, and instead of sharing, instead of being generous with others. And that very night, that person, had, his life was taken from him. Are we being generous? Like I, I, Gary had shared about uh, a testimony of, of being all in and then even about finance and the tithe. And Jen had, had came up and had spoken into that too. The one thing that's been grieving me about our, our, even our church culture here at New Day, but then also throughout the state of Minnesota, I wonder what Minnesota would be like if the church was generous the way that we're called to be generous. And the reason why we can't be as generous is people aren't tithing. I'm just being honest with you. Churches aren't able to do things that they're called to do because the people aren't tithing. And it's, it's very obvious, you know, I know it steps on toes when we look at different things about sexuality, or we look at things about uh, even uh, transgender ideas. There's scripture that talks about what are, what are we doing with our finances? Like actually, in scripture, what is it said? That 365 times it talks about a fear, like do not fear. There's over 800 verses that talk about finances. Over 800 verses that talk about finances. And, and in it... It actually it speaks about generosity. The tithe itself, a tithe isn't like a, oh, I'm just, like Gary had said, that $20 or the $40. I know what that's like. I've been there. That's an offering. A tithe is actually 10% of your gross income. It's what you have coming in. You then take 10% and then you give that to the church. You speak into that, into the church. That's what a tithe is. It's, it's literally the Hebrew is 10%. Are we being generous? If the church was being generous... In the state of Minnesota, perhaps we wouldn't have as much heartache. We wouldn't see as much suicide happening. We wouldn't see as much mental illness happening. Maybe this would look differently. There's there's some things that I think need to be done. I I actually, if we were, if you were to ask me, what are who are we in this story? I almost feel like we're the robber that's gotten, or the person that got beat up by the robber. Excuse me. We're not necessarily the Samaritan. We're not the priest. We're not the Levite. There's some work that needs to be done in us. We need some help. But as I read this, I don't, does that make sense? Sorry, I know that's, that's kind of hitting on some things. And I can see some of you are looking down. And I, I know that that's a touchy thing. I, 
I'm never going to be ashamed. We should never be ashamed of what scripture says about these various topics. And there's a lot of, there's warfare that's going on right now. There's warfare that's going on right now where they're trying, uh, the enemy's trying to attack identity. He doesn't want us to know who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us. So he'll come at us with different things. He'll try, to, he'll try to confuse our sexual orientation or just even our understanding of who we are, of whose we are. And we have to be mindful of these things. This isn't just something like it's a smorgasbord that we can pick and choose what we like and what we don't like. We're making our own God. You're making your own idol. So we see this story. Jesus shares this story and he said, go and be like this. So I, the, the things that we can pick up from the Good Samaritan. We're meant to be kingdom builders. So what hits me is that we would know what breaks the heart of God and that we would partner with that. That when his heart aches for a situation, that our heart would ache for that situation. That we wouldn't respond in the flesh, but we would respond in the spirit. Like Jesus had said that he would be going by a people group and he would be moved by compassion like he had other plans. Like, Derek, you had other plans this morning. And uh, Cindy, that sneaky Cindy, came over to you and grabbed your hand and you came up and you did something you probably had no idea you were going to do today, right? It was fun. It was fun. <laughs> but you have, you have the ability of having such great compassion, Derek. And that's what happened. You had compassion for the kids and you changed your plans for today. That's one thing that we see in Jesus. Jesus had plans. He had, he had things to do, right? He's, he's, he's doing this amazing thing. He's shifting things. He's preparing uh, for kingdom to happen here on, uh, as, as it is in heaven here on earth. And uh, this compassion that we see. Oh, that our heart would break with what breaks his heart. That we would be filled with joy with what fills his heart with joy. That we would have such relationship with him. That we would have oneness with him. That uh, we would know what it is that he's saying for us to do. Like I often think of, uh, well, even yesterday at men's breakfast, I so love Chris. Chris is, uh, the men's breakfast is such a phenomenal time. And I think of Chris, Chris is a school teacher. And uh, I often try to imagine what it's like as a school teacher that loves the Lord and that has experienced the love of the Father, and to be, like, there's only so much that you can do. There's only so many people that you can help. Like, I, 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 imagine, I imagine all these different school teachers just wanting to scoop up every kiddo that's there and uh, to care for them and love them and help them as best that you can. To be able to have this heart, to have a heart just like God, that we would be with uh, such oneness with him. And that's what we see. Jesus, he's speaking into the Samaritan. The Samaritan was, he was moved by compassion. In John 17, 21, Jesus, this was his prayer when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he had prayed, he was praying for his disciples then. And then he prays for us now. And he had said, oh Lord, I pray not just for these disciples, but those that will believe in him. And as he continues in prayer, Lord, I pray that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The beauty of what we have is just this beauty, this invitation 
to be one with God and to be one with one another. That doesn't mean uniformity, praise God. That doesn't mean uniformity because uh, not all of you look as nice as Derek does in a Hawaiian shirt, right? <laughs> if we all had to look exactly the same, that would be sure, that sure would be boring. Uh, uniformity is different from unity. Unity means that we have different understandings. We have different expressions. There's, there's uh, God, uh, he deposits his glory in all of us, in all of creation, all of humanity. Whether we choose to acknowledge him or acknowledge it, that doesn't matter. He, we're made in the image of God. We are image bearers of him. He puts his glory in us. But this beautiful invitation that we would be able to be united with him, that what breaks his heart would break our heart, that what touches his heart would touch our heart, that, that would give him joy would give us joy, that would bring him comfort would bring him, that would cause him to, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna change and I'm gonna do this instead of that. Like the Samaritan, he wasn't expecting to help somebody on the way, but he saw this person that was half dead and he said, I'm going to help him. That they may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, that they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you've sent me. I, uh, what hits me about... Hmm, I don't, know, I don't necessarily know how to say this and without sounding really, really weird. Uh, but I guess that doesn't matter because I already sound weird, don't I? <laughs> don't I, Annika? You're like, yeah, you already sound weird. That's, yeah, I get it. Uh, we were at, uh, Pastor Adam was at Josiah Center leading a night of, of kind of rededicating your heart to the Lord. And uh, Joel, there's a, a picture of the, their worship, it was uh, Pastor Adam and Andrew and Caleb and Eden were on the worship team and it was a sweet night of uh, just, uh, almost like a, a sweet night of divine dance. Have you, ever, have you ever experienced where it feels like God's inviting you to dance with him? Yeah. Where he gets to take the lead and we just follow. And uh, just a, this, this intimacy, it was an invitation into intimacy and one of the songs that we're singing, I'm going to read this out of my, out of my journal, if that's okay. I'll give you a little snapshot of, of some of my personal thoughts. The, the song lyrics were, faithful you are, faithful forever you'll be, faithful you are, all your promises are yes and amen, right? We know that song, faithful you are, faithful forever you will be, faithful you are. All your promises are yes and amen. So I was, uh, as we were, as we were uh, taking some time to think about his faithfulness, I wrote, Heavenly Father, you are so good and faithful. You alone can do what you alone can do in the way that you alone can do it. I love you, Father. I love you, King Jesus. I love you, Holy Spirit. During worship tonight, I heard you sing over us, everything is going to be all right. You were singing it over and over and over again, rejoicing over us. I'm amazed at you. Your grace is more sufficient than anything I could do or face. I surrender to you all over again. I surrender to you. Make me whatever you want me to be. You're the potter and I'm the clay. May your good, your perfect, your pleasing will be done in my life. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I seek first your kingdom. I seek first your righteousness. This divine romance, this, this dance that he invites us into, 
I think he actually, he wants to do it every day, throughout the day, if we're willing to take his hand and to allow him to lead. He actually wants to share his heart with us. And during this worship time, I actually kind of, I, I got out of my comfort zone. You know, sometimes it's fun to just be able to go and not have to lead and, and just participate. Do you ever have that experience? Uh, I, was, uh, I felt compelled to move forward. And I got on my knees and we were singing. And uh, my daughter uh, had often, she said, Dad, do you sing like that wherever you go? She was with me that night. And later she had said, yes, Dad, you sing like that wherever you go. Uh, but there was a sweet moment where I, I on my knees, I, I kept hearing that song. I will give you all my worship. I will give you all my praise. You alone I long to worship. You alone are worthy of my praise. And in that, uh, I kept, uh, Adam was finishing, the worship team were finishing a song and it was so on my heart, I couldn't. Do you know what? There's something that the Lord just compels you to do. I just started singing it. And then I felt bad because I was like, oh, I just started singing it. And, and then Adam, like, then everything in the room got silent and they all were listening to me sing that. And, uh, but then they all joined in. And it was beautiful as the, the pastor, uh, Pastor Dave Carlson, that was leading it, he actually came up and he had stopped what was happening in the moment. And he had said, this just confirms what God was showing that there is a call, a need for us to repent and a hunger for the Lord, the heart of our Father. That we can get so caught up in doing things and responding to things that we're not doing or responding with the heart of God. And he had invited people to come forward and to, to be in that place of repentance, but also in that place of rejoicing, of knowing that God is near. And that God wants to do a shift in us. Uh, and then Pastor Adam then had then launched back into that. I will give you all my worship. I will give you all my praise. You alone I long to worship. You alone are worthy of my praise. Uh, the idea of that sacrifice, uh, that, that surrender, excuse me, surrendering to the Lord of saying, Lord, I'm all in, that, we, that what breaks his heart would break our heart. The second thing is we read through and we think upon the Good Samaritan. Uh, the Good Samaritan, he activated God's word. He knew that he was to love his neighbor as he loved himself. So he activated that, right? Like, isn't that awesome to activate God's word? Okay, Holy Spirit, help me activate this. Let's go. Let's get into this. So he, then he actually picked up the man. He put him on his donkey. He carried him into town. And then he cared for his needs. And then as he had to leave, he then paid for someone else to care for his needs. He activated God's word. I love it. In Psalm 119, 103, uh, and verse 105. Can we read this together up on the screen? How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. Oh, I love it. This, this is something, what I do, I, sometimes I like to take my Bible and I just like to drip it because there's honey in here. Yeah, 
you grab it, right? Like almost like a kid out. When the first snow comes, you try to catch the snowflake. Uh, like his, his words are sweet. This, is, this isn't a billy club, beloved. This is a, this is a love letter. And uh, his words are sweet to be able to know his words. And then I love this declaration that his words, it's like a flashlight. I got my flashlight. Oh, it's dark. It's dark. I got my, oh, here we go. I, got, I, got, I can know which way to go. I got my flashlight. I can see, even when it feels like everything is dark, I've got light. I've got hope. We, but we have to activate. We have to partner with it. And there's something about his word. Uh, we, uh, a few of us, Mike and Maddie and also Mark, we went to the, uh, the mobile Bible exhibit yesterday. It's at the House of Grace, uh, the Russian church here in town. And I would encourage you to go today. It's open until 3 o'clock. If you have a chance, it's a really cool mobile. It's all free. And it's just the, the, it's so neat to see their different exhibits. But if you go to the next uh, slide after the scripture verse, there you'll see on, the, on one wall, it talks about everything that the word de- describes about how like God is, uh, it's like a sword. It's, it's like, um, uh, you know, a light onto our path, all these different things. So there's Mike, there's Maddie, there's Mark. Uh, Mark doesn't quite know what's going on there. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but then our tour guides, this is what's cool. Our tour guides were the pastor's son. Uh, they were uh, like, I don't know, 12, 10, 12, and 8 or something like that. It was, uh, and they were so excited. Oh my gosh, were they excited. Like it was just, I felt like, you know, the, uh, it was like, yeah, tell me more about the Bible. Let's go. And uh, it, was, it was so neat. Uh, if you go to the next slide, you'll actually get to see, there's Mike. He's got the printing press. That's a, a replica of the Gutenberg printing press. And you actually can press out scripture. Uh, it was John 3 series holding. That's John 3.16. You, uh, you can pick different languages that they have. So uh, we got to actually take that with us. He's got the press. Uh, the next is one of my favorite. Uh, there was one wall that had all these different quotes about the Bible from our presidents. This is Abraham Lincoln. He said, I believe the Bible is the best gift God has given to man. And that was, that was by our president, uh, one of our presidents. The whole wall is filled with all these different presidents that's speaking into the Bible and how it fits. Now there's one, I love these different heroes of the faith. There's one that has George Mueller. Look at George Mueller, isn't he awesome? And this is what's unique. As I was going by, this, this jumped off the page for a couple of reasons, but the first is, it says, among the general weakening of faith in the 19th century and all the enemies attacks in Christianity, the quiet, respected, and humble personality of George Mueller rises up. Can you think of that? There's, it seems like uh, they're, trying to, they're, they're trying to put an end to Christianity. This, this gentle, this quiet, this, this, just really, this humble man rises up. Being like a lighthouse in the raging sea, he shows the way to a quiet harbor and reveals the true living Christ. If you know the story of George Mueller, he ended up making an orphanage uh, there was all these kids that were given up on, were just kind of thrown, almost like garbage, they were thrown out. And he sees the need and he makes an orphanage. Uh, and it just a really powerful, it was all by faith. There's times where they would actually set the table and the kids are like, oh, what are we going to eat tonight? And he had no idea because he didn't have any food. And he said, well, we're just going to pray and ask God to show us what we're going to eat tonight. And then a delivery truck would either break down in front of their house and be like, hey, I'm sorry, I just broke down. All this food is going to be thrown away. Can we give it to you? Yes, yes, you can. 
Uh, all these different, you know, he, he just, this place of faith, God moved in such a mighty way. But as I'm looking at George Mueller, uh, the next slide, doesn't he look a little bit like our pastor, Adam Humber? Like, so I'm having this, I'm having this, this I'm so led by this, this powerful story of a man who knew the word of God. And then I, I, like, I couldn't help but think about Pastor Adam. Like, man, that is just, that is amazing. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Beloved, George Mueller activated his faith in a time that seemed like it was very dark. And we are to do the same thing, right? To activate our faith, to activate the word of God. Last thing I want to touch on is we partner in abundance. Did you capture what happened? He, this man, he's picking up this hated people group. So again, I know it sounds silly. Many of you aren't into sports, but it's like the idea of a Packer seeing a Vikings fan be beat up and saying, here, why don't you get in my car? I'm going to take care of you here. Actually, as we're driving to the emergency room, let me, let me work on your, your wounds. And just that, that sense of, uh, and that, let me actually, let me take care of your bill. Let me, let me put you up. I have to go, but I'm going to put you up in a place where they're going to be able to care for you. And I'm going to cover all of it. This idea of abundance. In 2 Corinthians 9, 6, it says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. In verse 9, 7, it says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for the Lord loves a cheerful giver. In verse 8, it says, God is able to bless you abundantly. Can we say that together? Let's read this slide together. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God is about abundance. He's not about scarcity. Jesus, why did he come? Uh, what, John 10, 10, it says, uh, the thief come uh, to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to give you life and life more abundantly. abundantly. The kingdom of God is meant to be abundantly. We're meant to have this mindset of abundance, not a mindset of scarcity. Those are two different mindsets, and they wage war against one another. So a big part of why I was grieving this last week was I was realizing, and I'm not saying this to sound really judgmental or anything, I was just realizing that a lot of the people in New Day don't tithe. And it was breaking my heart because what was hitting me was that they didn't get to that place of partnering with God in knowing all of what he had for them. Like it breaks my heart because he's actually, you can never outgive God, right? And he is abundant. He's generous. Like Gary, I, I believe that that was the Lord. That it's like he probably hid it from everyone else, that, that hunk of land. Like they just couldn't see it. Like, like, like not being able to see your gray or, gray, or green uh, purse they just couldn't see it. Gary was the one who could see it. And I believe that it was because Gary was at this place where they were all in by faith in their finance. Just saying, Lord, sometimes it feels like we have more month than we do money. But I'm trusting in you in this. And I, I, uh, this last week, I really have been, it's been weighing on my heart in the sense that there's a call on this church to be generous. 
to be really generous. And it's, it's wild to think of, like we already are in a lot of ways. How many of you know of a church that's this size that has not just uh, the ability to impact this city and this region, uh, the, the ministry we've done in Minneapolis and St. Paul, but then also to think about, uh, praise God, what God is doing in Pinyon and Haiti and in Malawi and now with Colleen and Abby being in, uh, in Kenya. And I, I marvel at that. I'm like, Lord, but, I, but he was showing me like that. Like, it's as if he had said, Christopher, you ain't seen nothing yet. Like there's, there's so much more that he wanted because we're a people that believe that God is a miracle working God. Amen. That he, uh, we, we have a culture that doesn't, um, we're not losing. We, we, don't, we don't think of ourselves as victims. And I know that even with bringing up homosexuality and transgender, I know that hits some of us. And I know that that's a, a sensitive subject. Here's, here's why I did it. Can I share why I did it? Yeah. Because that's the taboo people group right now. That's, that's, the, that's the Samaritan in the Christian culture. The truth be told, if, 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 if tithing was the taboo sin right now, could you imagine how we all would feel? But the taboo sin right now is homosexuality and transgender. And I know that it's a big deal because I believe the enemy is trying to use it, again, to rob identity. That's the biggest thing that he's trying to do. He's trying to bring confusion into identity. There's warfare that's happening. Like, there must be something amazing about today's youth culture and young adult culture because I've never seen him try to attack it the way that he's trying to attack it. Like, I've never, I don't know, have you ever seen that, Allison? Like, I just, there's so many things that are coming against today's youth and young adults. I've never seen it that way. Granted, I didn't have social media when I was a kid. Thankful Lord. How many of you are like, thank you, Lord, for that? All of the stupid things that I did would be all over social media. Oh, Lord. Uh, and I know I'm not the only one in this room. Naomi, don't you dare think that. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, so we're called to love our neighbor. And beloved, right now, one of the biggest people group that we need to love are people that are, uh, are gay or lesbian or transgender. And we're called to love them. They're our neighbors. So what does that look like? I love how Jesus, Jesus, uh, you remember the woman that was caught in adultery. I think it's so funny. It was the woman that they threw. Uh, yeah. Last time I checked, to have adultery, you, there takes two, right? But they threw the woman in front of him. Exactly. And she was full of shame and being judged by everyone. And uh, Jesus, as he's writing in the ground, they had said, what do you want to do? They're testing him. And he had said, you without sin, throw the first stone. And I know that there's times where in our flesh, when we see something that's not right, we, we want to pick up a stone and we want to attack it. But we're meant to not live by the flesh, we're meant to live by the Spirit. So we have to actually slow down and say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? I see this, this person that's gay or lesbian or transgender, I see this human that's hurting. What am I supposed to do? And he says, yeah, he says, love them. He does. There's something about being able to show if, if there was ever a group of people that would be really good at uh, 
at compassion, it should be us. It's one of our core values. The challenge that we have, and there's two different camps, right? To speak the truth and love. And there, yes, it's truth that sets me. Like when I was the atheist and I was chasing after uh, darkness, it was the truth that set me free. But it was also the love of uh, the followers of Christ that impacted me. It's, it's both. We need to do both. But there's times, unfortunately, we, we try to use this as like that billy club. And it was never meant to be. That's not what it's about. This, this, maybe this is the donkey. We see somebody hurt. Here, can you come on over? Let me, let me get you to help. Um, this is meant to be uh, that very thing. This is meant to be the aid that helps that change in their life. It's a lot that's been going on today. Uh, I guess what I would like to know is what's Jesus saying to you? What is Jesus saying to you? Because more importantly than what I have to say or what other testimonies were shared, what it was worship, you all have ears to hear Jesus. What is he saying to you right now? Can we take a moment to reflect on that? Pastor Adam, would you come on up? Jesus, we welcome you to speak to us. We've covered a lot of things. Like you've, I feel like you've given us this feast between what you were, the breakthrough during worship, the opportunity to, to be a part of, of celebrating your goodness. Lord, I thank you. It's not you that needs worship. It's, it's us that need to actually do that act of worship. There's something about worship in that surrender, in that, that ability to be able to declare, Lord, you're, you're the one that I'm worshiping. I'm not worshiping this or that. I'm not going after different idols. Lord, it's you. I'm chasing after you. So Lord, we welcome you to come. Come and meet with us. Speak to us. Jesus, uh, it's more important that we hear from you. So maybe we have ears to hear you. What are you saying to us today? Is there anything that we need to repent of? Has there been an attitude or uh, has there been something that we've been harboring, unforgiveness? Maybe, maybe there's some mindsets that we've been lining ourselves with that just really aren't your, aren't, aren't like you. Would you come and speak to us, Lord? Maybe there's some of us that really need help. Like you did this work as you were talking to the people then. You're, you're speaking to like, we should be like this Samaritan that, that sees someone that needs help to be able to go and love them. And not necessarily to point out that they're half dead, but to actually care for their needs. This world is it's hurting. And we get to be a part of the remedy with you, Jesus. So would you do that work in our hearts? The things that you've lined up for us this next week, the plans that you have for us for this next week, would you help us, Lord? Help us to, to be tuned in to your Holy Spirit, that we would be able to respond accordingly. Lord, we openly admit that we need your help. We can't do this on our own. 
And there's times where we've tried and we failed. Lord, forgive us for our pride. Forgive us for our arrogance. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. We repent of pride and arrogance and we we say we depend on you. You're the one that we want, Lord. Come and meet with us. Teach us how to love. What does it look like to love today? How do we do it? Thank you, Lord. Hmm. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I would I really would encourage you to go to the House of Grace Church today and check out that mobile Bible uh, exhibit. It's again, it, it finishes around three o'clock today, so you've got a small window. That's at the old Faith Point Church, which is just one block north of uh, downtown. Uh, what is that on North uh, Central Avenue? Central Avenue, right by City Hall. So please go there. You're not going to be disappointed. It's free, so there's no cost, but you're going to be really blessed by it. If you have a chance, then go inside the church and, and love on their people and actually say, hey, we're here from New Day. We, we love you. We're so thankful for you. Uh, that's one opportunity. Another opportunity today, uh, yesterday I had a chance to go be a part of something. Actually, I, there's a couple pictures I, ha- I want to share with you. If Joel, if you could go to the one that says three to six tomorrow, uh, and that's Benny Kay. He's doing his DJing. Here you see he's got like DJ Benny Kay. They were going through town, uh, Lakeville, and he's playing. And here he is. Uh, but today from three to six at the Lakeville Arts uh, they've got uh, a, uh, a DJ party, a Christian DJ party. If you go to the next slide, their float. Here I had a chance to hang out with uh, Pastor Bill Goodwin and Bob Bayer and then also Elaine Addison. Uh, do you have another slide or no? Yeah, there we go. Uh, it was the Lakeville, uh, it's the Lakeville churches that are hosting this event. And it's just a really cool event. And the next slide, this was the best part. So I've never had a chance to do a holy dance party through a city. I did that yesterday. It was awesome. Like the beats were, were jumping and I was doing all of my bad dance, uh, dad's dance moves. Like, and people weren't throwing anything at me. Uh, but then this, so this is Pastor Bill. He's a good friend of mine. We then uh, get on the hay wagon and we're driving back to where our cars were parked and they were driving a little fast, and the music was still pumping, and we like had a, another parade as we're going back through town. I was like, this is something that I don't think I'm ever gonna get to do in my life. I hope I get to do it more often. But it was so cool, the abundance of God. If you have a chance, it's their meeting today at, again, the Lakeville Arts. Uh, it's on Holyoke in downtown Lakeville, and it's from three to six, really cool. So there's some fun opportunities. Uh, just a big old dance party. Would you receive this blessing as we close? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that you, the sons and daughters of God, would truly be all that you're meant to be so that you can do all that you're meant to do, that you would do that with his favor, with his peace. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen, amen. Be blessed and be a blessing. Let's go. we got some work to do. pray that you received encouragement and impartation as you heard this word today. Connect with us on Facebook and at newday-church.org. Thanks again for listening to this message.